is dead. She should have died hereafter. There would have been a time for such a word. Tomorrow. And tomorrow. And tomorrow. Creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last. So, now, oh, what a wonderful first word. Right at the beginning of the play. Now. Not in the past. Not a history play. Now. So what's going to happen now? Now is the winter of our discontent. Made glorious summer. Now is the winter of our discontent. Well, we've been having a terrible time in England. The discontent has led to civil wars. And, and Richard is suggesting that feels like winter, you know, when everything's rather uncomfortable. But now... It's glorious summer because the sun has come out. But uh, here we are. Here's a pun. Sun is a pun. It means two things. It means the sun in the sky, but the son of York is the S-O-N. And the child of York, uh, and the house of York, who have been fighting in the civil wars. And so here Richard's referring to his elder brother, Edward, Duke of York, who's now become King Edward IV. Good evening, and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. The gentleman that we honor tonight, his voice alone, is not only iconic, but it is part of the firmament. If you are a poet or you are a follower of Shakespeare, you know the the firmament is azure. That is Mr. Sir Ian McKellen. Born on May 25th, 1939, in Burnley, Lancashire, England. A Shakespearean actor of the highest. The highest. Didn't come out of the closet till 1988. The Thatcher government was a big fuck over, and they went after gays. And lesbians. <sighs> when it comes to this actor, and I remember seeing him once on Inside the Actor Studio, and they said, What's your favorite word? Shake spare. An icon. He has done films, he has done stage, he has he has done it all. Here we go. Here's here's what I just I'll have him repeat it. Favorite word. <laughs> what? Nothing wrong with a c <laughs> I'm told. I don't like it being used as a as a term of uh, as a swear word. 
Now that is that is his least favorite word. But his favorite word I thought it was in there, is it? I don't think so. Unfortunately. He has played Gandalf. He's played Richard the Third. He's played Macbeth. That clip that I just played for you is him playing Macbeth. Nobody has a voice within the firmament as Mr. Sir, I'm sorry, Sir Ian McKellen. From Magneto to Gandalf, he has done it all. There's something different about you, Mr. Laurier. Yeah, I was having a good day. No, that's not that. Sit down. No. Sit your ass down. What could it be? What are you doing? Much iron in your blood. <laughs> Mr. Lorio, never trust a beautiful woman, especially one who's interested in you. out of my picture they brought in another director to add some slapstick and the movie made an egg great expensive bomb for which i was blamed and after that i was out of fashion i could no longer command the best projects so i walked away why should i spend my time working in this dreadful business do you miss it oh oh it was all so long ago 15 years Making movies is the most wonderful thing in the world. In 1998, Sir Ian McKellen brought us God's Monsters about James Whale, who directed Frankenstein. Frankenstein. He was also a World War I veteran. I say 1998 because this was the year that the Academy also took note. And this was his first ever Oscar nomination for Best Actor for Gods and Monsters. He didn't win. But that strip tease moment where he says, 
He says, I will answer a question if you remove an article of clothing. Oh, really? Yes, it is, isn't it? My life is a game of strip poker. I can't say it as fabulous as Sir Ian McKellen can. And then, I, I want to jump a little bit. I mean, yeah, he played Gandalf. Yeah, he played Magneto. I remember when we were watching The Lord of the Rings and my brother's friend. <laughs> we were talking about Gandalf and I said, well, you know, the man who plays him is gay. And he went, Gandalf's not gay. I said, well, the actor is, but Gandalf, he, it, he just couldn't, he couldn't handle it. Hmm. And then in, was this 2000, when did they, 2013, Sir Ian McKellen and Derek Jacoby played, well, partners in Vicious, the perfect title. Oh my God! Oh, how dreadful! Poor Clive! Well, at least he didn't suffer. Oh, he did. That much? Oh, well, I prefer to remember him as I last saw him, being fed apple sauce by a Jamaican woman. <laughs> Wait a reminder, we should spend as much time as possible with those we hold dear while we're able. Anyway, thank you for calling, Mother. <laughs> for a moment, I thought those high-pitched piercing shrieks were coming from a gaggle of schoolgirls. But now I see it's just you. <laughs> I shan't be able to return to sleep now, thanks much less. Who do you think you are, the Earl of Grantham? You're from Wigan. It's better than being from Leitenstein. How dare you? I've been to Oxford. Yes, for lunch. So who were you squawking at on the phone just now? My mother, if you must know. Was she calling to tell you when she'd be dying? She was very distraught. Right, did you finally tell her about us? <laughs> I'm waiting for the right time. It's been 48 years. And there has not been a right time. No, please don't pressure me. I'm very emotional already. We've had some frightful news. Clive is dead. <sighs> Your mother is always the first to know when someone dies. Is she getting the news directly from Satan? I would think you'd be a little more upset, considering your history. Oh, it was a long time ago. We were all in our early 20s. But I was 19. I wasn't in my 20s. People used to think I was your nephew. Yes, because you told them you were my nephew. <laughs> anyway, I do feel bad about Clive. I just hope he didn't suffer. Apparently they had to cut a foot off, so I assume there was some discomfort. I dare say those thick ankles of his put up quite a fight. Who on earth is that? Oh, I've absolutely no idea. Are you expecting anybody? No, these aren't calling hours. Oh, this is outrageous. You just don't go about ringing people's doorbells. It's to see who it is. And then put the whole ugly business behind me. Well, I'm going to give this this intruder a real dressing down. Oh, yeah, and then they open the door and they see that it's a young man. Oh, my. This just was hilarious. Unfortunately, it was cancelled 
damn you, BBC. I don't think they can often handle the brilliance of Sir Ian McKellen. He was also on Saturday Night Live, where I believe he played... Where was it? Okay. Goodness, that was almost 20 years ago. <laughs> mm. Mm. Oh, here's an interesting tidbit. There have been critics. Perhaps one of the most uh, voluble and famous was fellow actor Richard Harris. who He, he lumped you and Derek Jacobi together. And, and he said, Kenneth Branagh. Huh? I was in good, good company, yes. And you know what? He said... These guys are technically brilliant, but passionless. Yeah, nonsense. <laughs> and uh, when he died, he played Dumbledore, of course, the, the wizard. Uh, I played the real wizard, but he... he was... <laughs> you, you, you were in a different franchise, let's put it that way. But when they called me up and said, would I be interested in being in the Harry Potter films, they didn't say what part... I, I, I worked out what they were thinking, and I, I couldn't. I, I, I couldn't take over the part from an actor who I'd known didn't approve of me. Interesting. You mean you, you could have been Dumbledore? Well, sometimes. When, when I see the posters of Mike Gambon, the actor who mm. gloriously plays Dumbledore, I think sometimes it, 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 it is <laughs> me. <laughs> so, see, Richard Harris didn't think very well of Sir Ian McKellen. And fuck him. Richard Harris is dead. Here's Sir Ian McKellen playing Richard the Third in 1995. It's the winter of our discontent made glorious summer by this son of York. <laughs> and all the clouds Lowered upon our house in the deep bosom of the ocean, buried. Now are our brows bound with victorious wreaths. Our bruised arms hung up for monuments. Our stern alarms changed to merry meetings. Our dreadful marches to delightful measures. Grim-visaged war has smoothed his wrinkled front. And now, instead of mounting barbed steeds to fight the souls of fearful adversaries, he capers nimbly in a lady's chamber to the lascivious pleasing of a lute. But I that am not shaped for sportive tricks nor made to court an amorous looking glass. I that am rudely stamped, deformed, unfinished. 96, very good year. Almost as old as I am. <laughs> and then in 2001, he was nominated again for Best Supporting Actor for playing Gandalf. Thank you. Come and go as you please. Always have done it. 
So, Sir Ian McKellen has had a very long, illustrious career. The firmament is Azure. I'm going to keep saying that. Trying to conjure him in a, in a way. And if we go over to here... Here we go. See, he's got that voice. He's got that wonderful Shakespeare voice. Only really great actors can do Shakespeare. And it has to, that voice. Of this speech I'm going to do for you, in Shakespeare's own handwriting, uh, is in the British Museum. Or is it, is it the British Library? One or the other. It's on permanent display. It should be. It's the only example of uh, a Shakespeare text in his handwriting. And it's this speech. And it's all about what we've been mainly talking about today. There's a riot in London. Uh, 16th century. Henry VIII. And, uh, and it's, the, it's the young apprentices mainly who are out on the streets. And uh, they're complaining about uh, the immigrants in London taking our jobs. They call them strangers. And they're causing a fuss. And uh, Thomas More, um, a lawyer, is sent out to put it right. Bank down the riot. May Day riots. And... Uh, he does it in two ways, Today by telling them that you, you can't, you can't have a, you, you can't shout like that in public. You, you can't cause a disturbance. You can't be violent. It's against the law. And then, being by Shakespeare, he says, "And you can't do it because be humane." So, someone in the crowd shouts that the strangers should be removed, and Thomas More uh, says. Grant them removed. And grant that this your noise hath chid down all the majesty of England. Imagine that you see the wretched strangers, their babies at their backs, with their poor luggage plodding to the ports and coasts for transportation. And that you sit as kings in your desires, authority quite silenced by your brawl and you in rough of your opinions clothed. What had you got? You had taught how insolence and strong hand should prevail, how order should be quelled. And by this pattern, not one of you should live an aged man, for other ruffians, as their fancies wrought, with self-same hand, self-reason and self-right, would shark on you, and men like ravenous fishes feed on one another. You'll put down strangers, kill them, cut their throats, and lead the majesty of law in Liam to slip him like a hound, oh, desperate as you are, wash your foul minds with tears and the so I thought we would pull away from there. Sir Ian McKellen 
has had a long... He shows no signs of stopping, which is great. Oh, my goodness. This, this, This man... His father was a civil engineer and lay preacher and was... Protestant, Irish, and Scotch. Both of McKellen's grandfathers were preachers. Interesting. But he did not join the cloth. His sister took him to his first Shakespeare play, Twelfth Night, by the amateurs of Wiggum's Little Theater, shortly followed by their Macbeth and Wiggum High School for Girls production of A Midsummer's Night's Dream with music by Medellicina, with the role of Bottom played by Jean McKellen, who continued to act, direct, and produce amateur theater until her death. In 1958, McKellen, at the age of 18, won a scholarship to St. Catherine's College, Cambridge, where he read English literature. He has since been made an honorary fellow of the college. While at Cambridge, McKellen was a member of Marlowe Society, where he appeared in 23 plays over the course of three years. At the young age, he was already giving performances that had since become legendary, such as his Justice Shallow in Henry V, alongside Trevor Noon and Derek Jacoby. Jacoby, Sibylline, Doctors Faustus. During this period, McKellen had already been directed by Peter Hall, John Barton, and Dee Dee Raylands, all of whom had significant impact on McKellen's future career. McKellen made his professional first professional appearance in 1961 at the Belgrade Theatre as Roger in A Man for All Seasons, although an audio recording of Marlowe Society's has gone on commercial sale as part of the Argo Shakespeare series. After four years in regional repertoire theater, he made his first West End appearance in Ascent of Flowers, regarded as a notable success. In 1965, he was a member of Sir Lawrence Olivier's National Theater Company at the Old Vic, which led to roles as the Chichester Festival. With the Prospect Theater Company, McKellen made his breakthrough performances of Richard II, and Marlowe's Edward II at the Edinburgh Festival in 1969, the latter causing a storm of protests over the enactment of the homosexual Edward's lured death. <sighs> he was also in Macbeth with Miss Dame Judy Dench. They're very good friends. He loved working with Judy Dench. He did Amadeus and brought it to Broadway. He was an apt pupil, a Stephen King novel, with the late Brad Renfro, directed by Brian Singer, who also directed him in X-Men. And then he played Mr. Holmes, an aging Sherlock Holmes. And it was, I've seen bits and pieces of it, but in Surian McKellen's hands, it is magic. Watson had married, and I was alone. In fact, it was on the very day he left Baker Street that the case, which was to be my last, began to unfold. It was 
almost 30 years ago when the Great War had ended and the tourists had come back to Baker Street to catch a glimpse of the real Sherlock Holmes. Thankfully, in his stories, Watson had always published a false address for our actual quarters. So you found the right address. Why did you do it? Sir? Break into my study. My study is my sanctum sanctorum. Private place. Before you went to Japan, I saw you writing that story. I didn't know you wrote stories. Oh, Dr. Watson, yes, he was the writer. Well, so I borrowed Mum's key and went into your study, and there I was. And how much did you read? Just where you stopped. It was a good part, too. A man comes to Baker Street, you say you've come about your wife. How could you tell? Did you do the thing? What thing would that be? The cane shows the marks of a dog's teeth. The wood is from an island southwest of Madeira. That thing. And how would you tell that a man's visit was about his wife? He wears a wedding ring. Uh, the clues are all on that page. This sentence, to be exact. One day into the room came a young man in newly pressed, albeit inexpensive, clothes. Clothes are freshly pressed. He's a young man, though. Not expensive clothes. Then his wife must press them. Men don't have the talent, and he can't afford a servant to do so. Very good. That's how you knew it was about the wife? Well, no. When you're a detective and a man comes to visit you, it's usually about his wife. And so that is Sir Ian McKellen playing a 90-something-year-old Sherlock Holmes at the end of his detective story. We've visited those moments because I really just want you to hear the brilliance of Sir Ian McKellen rather than hear me just yap about him all night. He is an extraordinary actor. Fierce, brave, fights for the rights of gay and gays and lesbians, transgendered, uh, bisexual, and questioning the LGBTQ. He is a wonderful actor, and like I said, he is passionate, and it comes through in those performances. And he has that voice. Nobody has a voice such as Sir Ian McKellen. Closest could be Mr. Patrick Stewart because they played Magneto and Professor X in the X-Men films so brilliantly. Mm. Thank you, Sir Ian McKellen, for continuing to just be you and to act and to give us these pivotal moments in film, stage, and television. And yes, he was... In the Scissor Sisters, one of their songs, uh, Invisible Light. Yeah. Brilliant moment. And so, as always, unpleasant dreams. Happy birthday, Sir Ian McKellen. Mm-hmm.